Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us today. My guest is Samantha Mackay. She is going to tell us a story about um, grieving over her parents' divorce. But Samantha, if you would just like to give us a quick introduction. Hi, thank you. Uh, I'm Samantha Mackay. I am a life and healing coach. Uh, My company is called The Individual Process. I'm currently based in Sydney, Australia, although I'm not always tied down to the one location. Um, but I'm currently enjoying the the sunny weather of, of summer over here. That's right. It is summer there now. That's right. I remember that when we went, we went in, um, when my family vacation, we went in uh, uh, August, which was, of course, your winter, but we loved it because we don't like hot weather from Seattle. So mm. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Only us in the pool. But um, So tell us a bit about, I know your, your, your story is about your parents' divorce and kind of um, how you grieve that, how you go through that, how you survive that um, as a child into an adult. So tell us a bit about that. Mm, so I was eight at the time and we came home, you know, mum and my, I've got a younger sister, we'd been out. We came home uh, to find that, you know, dad had moved out and half of our possessions were gone. And um, that had been how mum had arranged it. You know, she didn't want to be there. Um, she didn't want any say over what he took or didn't take. You know, she just sort of walked away and let him to it because I think for her, her grief and betrayal was so intense. Um, but, you know, coming home to find your father sort of unexpectedly gone was just such a shock, huge shock. And I remember sitting down, you know, and mum giving me the speech of, you know, you're the eldest, you have to step up and be more responsible and all those sorts of things. And it was, I think that's it. All I can say it was just such a huge shock. And then as it continued, um, mum sort of refused to talk to dad. So I was in the middle. I was the communicator and negotiator, which I absolutely hated, but there was nothing I could really do about it. Right. Um, and I remember writing in, in primary school, I wrote a story as you do. And I wrote about, you know, feeling like a chore, uh, uh, feeling like a pawn in a chess game. Yes. Yep. And I got an A on it. It was an excellent piece of writing. And my mother completely flipped out about it. Um, for so many reasons, but like it was, it was just, I felt so stuck and okay. so trapped. Um, and so it wasn't really surprising that as I started to move into my teenage years that I started to get chronic illnesses and chronic pain and have suicidal ideation for, you know, quite a period of time because I just felt so trapped in this situation where yeah. I had no support. There was no one I could talk to. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that I, I know other couples where they divorce and they do the same thing. The kid is in the middle as the communicator and it's just such a awful place to put a kid, right? It's like, you need to put your differences aside to at least have the conversations you need to have. Um, I'm curious to know, did you ever ask mom why she didn't tell you and your sister ahead of time, why she just kind of brought you home to this surprise? I don't think I asked directly, but she just said she just couldn't, she couldn't be there. So just was like, she couldn't see it happen. 
Right, right. But I mean, like giving you and your sister the heads up, he's not going to be home or we're going to split up or anything like that. No, no, no leeway. No, no. Uh, wouldn't have occurred. Yeah. Wouldn't have occurred me to ask, you know, and that's the funny thing. There is these things you don't even think you deserve to have a say in or an expectation about how that scenario might play out. Right. Right. Especially since, I mean, as a family, you're, you're a member of the family. So it's kind of like, it was like a big event happening without any input from you or your sister, which I think is another issue that comes up for kids when their parents split up as well. So mm. you, did you live with mom after that? Is that kind of live with like mom, visited dad every second weekend. So I got very used to uh, <clears throat> packing a suitcase, um, which I still spend most of my life doing. I'm very good at packing a suitcase and moving around. Um, and yeah, dad remarried, uh, when I was about 13, um, which like I, I wasn't, that bit was all right. When my half sister was born, when I was 15, I found that particularly difficult. Um, yeah. I refused to go to the hospital. I, again, you still felt stuck between the loyalty of your yeah. parents Yes. You know, and I really, there was no space for me to be my own person and make my own decisions. Right. Right. No, I get that. I know my parents divorced and, and my father remarried and had a, another child with his, um, his second wife. And I remember feeling kind of the same way. It's like mm. uh, envious in some ways too. Like, well, you get him all the time and I only get him every few weekends or whatever it was. So yeah, I get that. So how do you think, you know, that, uh, you know, going through a, a, a divorce when you were kids, your parents divorced when you were a kid, how do you think that has impacted you as you've grown into adulthood? It's had a huge impact, but I think it's, it's one of those, those insidious impacts. You don't actually realize that it's had an impact because it just seems like ordinary life. Right. You know, so uh, a struggle to stay in relationships, uh, moving around a lot, um, I had a relationship in my early twenties and it you know, lasted in theory about six months. And then it sort of ended up being 18 months, but I grieved it for four years, you mm. know, actively crying most days and not really understanding why, you know, I would go to, you know, funerals of, of, you know, my grandparents and I didn't cry there at all. But after this you know, relationship, I, you know, I cried every day for six months. I was in such a state of despair and not understanding that, this loss actually represented an entirely different loss to me and right. no comprehension of that. And so yeah. Did, how did it occur to you that it was related? I mean, at what point was it years later or at some point? In time years later. So in my sort of mid to late thirties, I was sitting down with a, a new counselor and I don't know what I was telling her, but one day she just, you know, in the session, she said, have you grieved your parents' divorce? And I said, well, that's not mine to grieve. It didn't happen to me. Uh, and she gave me the look that you're giving me now and just sort of sat silently and waited for the penny to drop. <laughs> I was like, oh, because I don't feel like I'm part of a family unit in a right. way. Right. I feel like my, my parents are these separate people and I'm off to the side. Mm -hmm. And so when, when that was a real realisation for me and it's not like I then automatically started grieving that, but I now had an idea that I might be carrying around a lot of grief that needed a way to come out. Yeah. And I, I think, I think you haven't given your story where you were kind of put in the middle to be the translator, if you will, communicator, um, probably even more led to that whole, that's them over here. And I'm over here with my own role and my own job, if you will. And really, so I, yeah, I, I can kind of see that happening too. So, um, 
did have, have you had? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm always curious about this, about whether you've had conversations with either of your of your parents as an adult about how any of that has impacted you or anything, just to kind of share with them, or is that just not something that would would be a good conversation? I'm not really. I don't think I've ever been close to my father since since then. Mm-hmm. I think that was sort of you know I you know I still see him regularly, um, but there isn't a closeness there. Right. where that kind of question would be, you know, something to ask. Um, my mother and I have talked a few things about it. I haven't spoken to her for the last few years. And it was, but even before then, when I started raising some of these questions, she would get very defensive yeah. and accuse me of therapy speak and of being corrupted by therapists. And it's it made it difficult to sort of continue in that that space and ask those questions, even though I am curious, but I think for her, her pain is still too real and it hasn't been processed or dealt with, you know, even 30 years later, you know? Yeah. That's not healthy. That's too bad. Yeah. So I know you eventually went on to write a a program. Um, So tell us a bit about that kind of what, what is it about? What, what, what inspired you to write it? And, and, what is it? What's its purpose? I guess is the term I would use. Yeah. So it's called clearing overlooked grief. And in the, in June of 2020, so we're, you know, six months into the the pandemic period. So we're already got grief events happening all around us. Um, a friend of mine was hit by a car and, and died a week later. Uh, then my grandmother died. And she was obviously in a home. I couldn't visit her. We were in different countries. And then the night before her funeral, my my main person, my relationship imploded. And mm. he completely cut me out of his life overnight. Oh, my goodness. And then a week later, I dropped my phone in the toilet and it was dead. So I was like, oh, this is just the cherry. I can't even, I've got nothing left of this. And, and that was a three-week, four-week period. And I knew because I'd been learning a little bit about grief by here, you know, and I, you know, learned to do some grieving. I was getting more comfortable with grieving by him, but I sort of knew went, okay, this is where I've got a solid two year grieving event in, ahead of us. You know, all of this has happened at once. We've, we've got, this is not going to be short. Let's not, you know, because it's too much. And I don't know if I knew by then or I'd, you know, but you have to sort of take each event one at a time right. and proceed, you know, it's just too much to do at once. And, and I, you know, so then I was like, right, well, let's learn more about it. And I was reading and learning and I was talking to people to understand it from different perspectives and different grieving styles and all of that. And that led me just to realize how much grief we're all carrying around that we don't realize, Yeah, you know, from moving house, from jobs ending to, you know, your, your phone going in the toilet or your, your car yeah. getting stolen or your, your favorite book getting dunked in water, yeah. um, it doesn't really, you can have grief from anything, any kind of loss that matters to you. And I just was like, we need to know more about that. We need to know how to grieve. It right. is a skill set that as humans, we desperately need that no one knows about, no one talks about it. We all learn the hard way. And some of us don't even learn at all until it's way too, too, too late, you know? But it becomes, um, in some cases, stigmatized. So I was just mm. this morning reading an article, um, got it on my computer here about disenfranchised grief. 
And the story mm. is about um, a woman who went through a divorce and, and the grief process she went through and how people in her personal life just, why are you grieving? You're not, he's not dead. You, you guys got divorced. So almost as if discounting that you have the right to grieve or, you know, kind of telling you, you don't, right. was kind of the purpose of this, this article. Um, and some of the things you brought up, I think are in that category where people will say, why, why it's a phone, you can get out a phone, right. It's, it's a book. You can go get another one, right. It's whatever. Right. Well, I even have people who say about pets. It's just a dog. You can go get another dog, right? It's kind of like, well, you don't get to tell me what I grieve and don't grieve, right? It's it's a personal experience for each of us. So I think I'm, I'm just curious, you know, when with it, if you covered any of that in your book or whatever about the different types of grief um, that we 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 go through, do what type of loss it was or whatever we grieved. Oh, definitely, because there are just so many different types of grief. Yeah. You know, it's there's tangible grief and intangible grief and there's people who cry and there's people who do things. And I interviewed someone who um, specializes in grief and personality type to understand how the different person, you know, and what we can learn from the different personality types, because sometimes you need to grieve one way and sometimes you need to grieve another way. There is no one way to grieve at any one time mm -hmm. that is your way. Right. And so I sort of developed a process that helped you adapt to that because, you know, the, you're going to need to grieve differently to different types of grief events, you know, and it's, it's just so nuanced. It's, it's not, you know, there's nothing about grief that's straightforward. True. Very true. I, I mean, I, there's a saying that I, I like to use about how the, the amount of grief we experience is directly related to how much we cared about the thing we lost. So it's kind of, you know, like I, if I lose something that I don't really care about, you think about it. And sometimes that can be uh, your family member or someone that you're supposed to, according to society, really care about and grieve. And yet you don't. Um, in, in my case, that was my mother. So when she passed, mm -hmm. we were so not close that it, I went to work the next day and it was just not a big deal. And when mm -hmm. I tell people that story, it's kind of like, what? I think, well, but you obviously have a different relationship with your mother than I did if you don't understand that that experience, right? So it's kind of one of those mm -hmm. uh, things where people expect you to grieve in a certain way. And in, and in reality, we don't have the one right way. And and I think you were touching on this too, where if we one person has different grief episodes, you might respond differently to those depending on what the thing is. So it might be I lost my grandmother and you know, I grieve her because this, you know, she was a wonderful woman. She lived to be 90. But then when I'm grieving the loss of a child, that's a very different type of loss and therefore a different type of, of grieving um, episode. So would you say your, your, your book or your program like provides tools for that? Like just where, okay, so a person could read that and just say, you know, here's what I should be looking for. Because I think in a lot of grief stories, people don't realize like, like with you, with the don't realize that you were grieving or that you had something to grieve with the divorce. So people may be kind of recognizing that, that you do, right. And how do you, mm. go, what is that? Is that's kind of like what, what you've covered in there? Yeah. It's the getting more awareness about all the grief events you might have, and then providing a range of, of as many tools as, as possible or ideas of tools for you to go, Oh, okay. This is what I need for this one. And this is what I need for this one. Or, you know, that's, you know, that's what's happening. And and it is, just to come back to your point about it is something we cared about. But at the same time, I lost a job once. I got, you know, made redundant, or, you know, fired, however you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily love the job. But the, but going through that process, I still felt grief of some kind. And so there was still something about it 
that I cared about. There was still something I had an attachment to, even if the job itself did not light my fire, you know? And right. I just, I could just remember standing there one day going, huh, I'm, I'm grief. Oh, this is grief. Huh. I wasn't expecting to have grief from this, you know, because yeah. you never quite know when it's going to, to come visit you, you know? I think that the workplace story makes me smile because it makes me think that things that I grieve about jobs I don't have anymore are usually the relationships I have with coworkers. So it's kind of like I miss those coworkers and that experience, but some jobs I really don't miss at all. So I'm 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 with you on that one. Where it's like, why am I? Why am I? <laughs> I'd be up COVID too, where it's like you know before COVID, I used to my job was very different. I, I went into downtown Seattle. I rode a bus. So it was it was a very different world. And then COVID hit, and and we went completely online and. I am an introvert. So I thought, well, I'm not going to miss being around people, but I really did miss being around people. And I, I really missed that interaction. And I was stunned. I thought, how am I grieving that? Well, that's not something yeah. I liked or wanted or needed. But, you know, I think part of it is rem remembering that as humans, we all have basic, basic needs that, you know, and some of that is companionship and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of, yeah, I can see yeah. why now I think about it, but yeah, even even with knowledge of grief, I find that I'll look at something and go, oh, yeah, I didn't know oh, that was grief. Like you were just were saying with the job thing. Oh, I know that feeling. I know what that is. Why? <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 here it is again. Hadn't expected it. Oh, well, we'll have to deal with it now. I'll have to yeah. attend to it. Yeah. But the the point you mentioned earlier about, you know, films and things, you know, dis, you know, disenfranchised grief or dismissed grief and so much of our cultural like media. Mm -hmm is just, you know, when we watch movies and TV is dismisses of grief. It, I, I, you know, I cringe at how it's handled in some of the things I watch. But one of the shows that I, I definitely watched during the pandemic that I want to give a shout out to is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist because it handled the grieving process so well. You know, the first season is about anticipatory grief because her dad is sick and dying. Mm -hmm. And the second season is about, um, you know, he has died. And so it's both sides of the equation. And there's a really fun, playful element. There's music and singing and dancing. And I love a good musical, but at the heart of it, it's all about how is she becoming aware of her grief and then attending to it. And I think it, that particular show handled it really well. Oh, that's great. I wrote that down because I want to definitely want to, want to check that out. Uh, another thing that came to mind when you were talking about that here in the U.S., it's extremely common for an employer to give an employee three days of grievance or grief time off, right? So when when my mother died, my boss said, do you, do you want to take three days off? And I've always kind of laughed and thought, well, what are the three days for? I guess if you're traveling to a funeral or something, but if it's really for grieving, are we supposed to be over it in three days and come back and do our job? <laughs> the random three days. I, I never really quite got that. And I always kind of wondered, well, again, in some cases, I, I've lost an animal where it did took me more than three days to feel like I was able to come back and talk to people without getting emotional. So, you know, that, that, that is, kind of silly do you have something like what is it in australia do you get time off when you have a loss or is it yeah i think bereavement um leave but i think it's only a day is you it? know i don't yeah no, no, i, was I mean it might be more um but i don't think the u.s would be much worse about that because i mean whatever i, I would have thought so too quite <laughs> frankly but um i'm not up on the latest labor laws about these things yeah. i have to say it's just, it's just always struck me as as strange why where that where that came from and whatever but anyhow um yeah so I'm, I'm, we're definitely going to link to your, your book or your, you call it a program. Definitely going to link to that when we, when we air your, um, your podcast, that'll be fascinating for people who want to check that out. Um, but do you have anything else you'd like to share before we finish today? 
I think the other thing I'd mention is, so I've had chronic illnesses for a number of years um, and I've worked, you know, really hard to overcome that. But a key part of that process is grieving because when you've got a chronic illness, you know, whether you've had an accident and you can't, you know, use your body like you used to, or even you've just got a chronic illness, at some point you have to grieve that your life isn't going to be what you thought it was. You know, your body isn't going to be what it thought it was. And it's really key to do that grieving process in order to get to, to further along in the healing journey. And if you don't do the grieving thing, it sort of holds you in one place. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, that's I think sometimes when we think about grieving, it means it's, it's the end. It's that we have to, for accepting that this is all we're going to get, but it's not. Right. right. Grieving helps actually open doors. Right. I, I think um, one of the things that comes up for me when you say that is I've had people say to me before when they've experienced a loss, something big, and, and their life has changed for it. Um, but I've been asked the question several times, you know, when 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 am I going to feel like I did before? When are things going to go back to normal is the question. And and I always think, well, I don't mean to make it worse for you, but it's never going to be the same. It's it's never. You're going to you're going to live with whatever this thing is and, and it's going to become a part of you. But you aren't going to go back to what it was like before you lost that thing because you did lose it. And now you know what it's like to have lost it. So to go back to being, you know, pleasantly naive is not an option. So at least, no. of course, that then you could talk about self-medicating and all that kind of stuff, but like, <laughs> that's a totally different story there. But <laughs> you just have to kind of, I, I was reading an article recently about, talking about you don't move on, but you just have to invite grief in and, and let her be part of you now and all this kind of stuff. And I thought that's a different concept I hadn't thought about, but it is true, you know, working through it and just accepting what it is, who are we now? And I might be very different now, depending on whatever it is I'm, I'm grieving. I might be a very different person um, and that's mm-hmm. okay it's 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 okay yeah. so i think that's kind of things that people kind of like I, like like that things that have just changed like i had really bad short-term memory um loss when i when i went through some couple of my grieving and it frustrated me because i'm a very organized person and i remember thinking that has to go away <laughs> that or has to come back actually i should say because i can't live like this um and thankfully that change did happen but still some other things are just lifelong you change you forever yeah. right it's kind of like you know, like, like going through where well, your parents get divorced. Now it occurs to you as an adult relationships don't last forever. And I shared with you before we started recording that I've been divorced and it's kind of, I don't blame that on my parents getting divorced, but it's just, to me, that was the norm. If things aren't working out, mm. find, find someone else, go on and move on rather than have that role model of uh, people staying together. So it's just kind mm. of, I've always wondered, did that affect Im- impact my ability to make a relationship work? And I will tell you 100%, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, well, I've only just realized, you know, however many decades in that I have incredible anxiety in intimate relationships, like mm. overwhelming anxiety that I didn't know was there right, for right. years. Yeah, And that affects my ability to stay in the room with someone, to, to live in the same space as someone, like all of those things. I, I had a relationship where I was basically insomniac for the whole time because sleeping next to someone gave me such incredible anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't know that, you know, and whether that's a result of my parents' divorce or not, it's, you know, it's hard to say, but I find it like a really difficult space to right. be in. Yeah, yeah. And it probably did to some level impact that. To and I, some, I, yeah. there's definitely research that connects chronic illness to, you know, not working through things inside of us and so on. So I'm sure you know all of that, but that's, that's, mm people don't don't work through whatever issues got going on and all of a sudden they've got 
you know, some kind of a chronic issue going on, I was thinking to myself, hmm, is that manifesting in you because of, not that it's not real, but is it, is it living there because of this other thing that didn't get worked out or hasn't been worked out? So that's right. Absolutely. That always, always occurs to me too, but I think I overthink things too. So there's that, but well, Samantha, thank you so much for being my guest today. I have enjoyed chatting with you. And um, again, I love the Australian accent. So <laughs> it's it's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your story. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.